1: i got a good show for you today. Um, Brian, who was on a previous episode called Bigfoot in West Virginia, is coming back on the show tonight with his buddy Earl, and they're going to talk about their paranormal experiences. Um, They were, for a time, paranormal investigators, and they had some stories they wanted to share, and I'm all about it. Uh, We've been doing a run of Bigfoot stuff lately for about a month and a half straight. So we're gonna break up the monotony a little bit, and hopefully, I won't get another booger uh, boogeyman in my electronics like what happens in the past. Um, it's been good. My house has not had any activity. I haven't had any EVPs. My speakers haven't been going out, um, but I haven't been talking about the paranormal. So let's just hope it doesn't happen now that we're you know peeking behind that veil again. But let's give it a few seconds, and uh, I'll get Braun on the show. Oh, and while we wait, um, I want to mention, for those of you that are on Patreon, thank you, by the way. Thank you again. Uh, There's some new content on there for you. It's just for you guys. It's a full episode. I did a fireside chat with Dad again. Uh, We sat down. We talked about a viral uh, Bigfoot photo. that's floating around the Internet. We did a little breakdown of that. We talked about the UAP report. And uh, then went down some rabbit holes. It's a lot of fun. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Let me hear something back in the comments. You all message me. Uh, We talk back and forth a little bit as it is. Uh, Those of you that are not members of Patreon yet, it's never too late to join, okay? Everything that's already been posted, as soon as you become a member, you have full access to all of it. So there's five tier levels to choose from. It's a lot of fun. I like to post bonus stuff here and there, and you get full video access. So all the interviews that I do that have a video, that goes to Patreon. So it's kind of uncut. You get to see the interaction and all that kind of stuff, kind of a behind-the-scenes thing. So I hope you all enjoy that, Um, along with merch that comes out every few months for every member of Patreon, you know, according to their tier level. So get on there, check it out, see what one fits for you. And here's Brian, so let's go ahead and get him on.
0: Hi, uh, I'm Earl, and uh, this is my friend Brian. I think he's been on the show before already. Uh, and I just want to tell you a little bit about how I got started getting interested in the paranormal. My my uh, grandmother, uh, Julia, she was, uh, I guess what you would call a would have never thought that because she was a dyed-in-the-wool Methodist and and wouldn't really hear about it, but she believed in everything, and uh, back around 19, this is the story that she told me, back around 1938 in uh, a place called Glenwood Park, which we're not very far from now, we're just about three three miles from it, Uh, it's very different now, but back then, it was our family farm, pretty much, and uh, everybody that lived cousin or aunt and uncle or or sibling or something in the family. And uh, that's just the way it was back then. There there wasn't any non-relatives living out there. It was a very small place. And my mother was born in 1938. Well, back then they used to have what, and you probably heard of this, back then they used to have what they called quilting bees. And a quilting bee, for those that don't know what they are, was if you were about to, if you were expecting a child, friends and, and family would come out and they'd just come in the morning and spend the whole day making quilts and blankets for the, the baby when they were born.
1: Hey, Brian, or Earl, if you give me just one second, my internet said it was unstable. Let me go turn off some stuff around the house real quick. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry about that. That's all right. I just don't want it to be lagging or anything. So hold on just one second. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully that fixed something. I don't know. It showed up that it was unstable for me. So I turned off my phone. I turned off the TV in there. It's, you know, this is the bad part of living in West Virginia and I still have frontier. So,
0: (laughs) okay. Yeah, Brian mentioned that when you left, he just said Frontier Communications, <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> which
2: we have that all over here. So that's we, right. know. we communicate like we're on the frontier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, give them a few million dollars and they don't do what they promised to do. But amen. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, at this time, again, we're in 1938, out at Glenwood Park, and uh, my grandparents <coughs> lived in a in a nice little. Appalachian Power Company. Well, back then, there was a lot of people in in the area, and by area, I mean throughout eastern Kentucky, southern West Virginia, southwest Virginia, didn't have electric power yet, so he spent a lot of his time out uh, working on putting up new power lines, and at this time, he was out in uh, eastern Kentucky putting up a new power line through the mountains there. My grandmother uh, was back home, and she had had a quilting bee, and that morning, you know, about About six of her friends came over, and they were sitting around. they were gossiping, telling the the news stories of the community and everything while they were working. And uh, while they were making the quilts and and doing their gossip and news spreading, uh, they kind of let time get away from them and and the whole day went by, and it started to get dark. Well, one of the ladies got up they were in the dining room and uh, where they were working and one of the ladies got up and uh walked out of the dining room into the living area and as soon as she did the other ladies that were still sitting around the table they heard this blood curdling scream Mm -hmm. so they all got up and they ran in the in the living area and this lady had passed out as soon as she got in the living area and so they got her up and they put her on the couch and uh, they, they brought her some salts and, and I think a little bit of alcohol, tried to get her revived, you know. He, uh, after she woke up, she was still shaking and they couldn't get her to talk for about 10 minutes. Meanwhile, they all went around the house. Of course, back then, nobody locked their doors, but they looked outside to see if there was anybody outside that could have scared her. Didn't see anybody. Looked around the house to see if anybody had come in, went upstairs. Nobody seemed to be in the house, and they finally got this lady calmed down enough to where she could tell what had happened, and as soon as she walked in And uh, there was a, a stairway going up to the second floor. And she said that as soon as she looked over there, there was a figure, I guess she, he looked a lot like a monk. He had the the brown cowl over him and he had the you know uh, hoodie over his head and everything. Mm-hmm. And he had his right arm was on the banister coming down the stairs. And she said the right arm, was burned and she could see the blood and the bone and it was just walking down the stairs. So that's when she screamed and passed out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they told her they all tried to tell her it was just her imagination and she was seeing things and stuff like that. But she was noted in the, in the community for being a little bit of a sensitive herself. So I don't know if they actually believed that she was seeing imagining it or not. Uh, I don't think they did. But anyway, they got her calmed down. It was getting late in the day, it was already dark. So the, um, they walked her home and uh, most of the ladies, except my great-grandmother went on home for the evening. She's, my great-grandmother stayed with, with my grandmother. And uh, of course, my mother was there, but she wasn't born yet. And uh, she was due in a couple of months. And the next morning, uh, my grandmother got a call from Kentucky. And she was told that my grandfather had had a work-related accident and he was expected to die. And and she better come see him. Uh, well, being the kind of community that it was, she had loaned the car to her sister-in-law so they had to walk up the road to get that back and then her and her sister drove to Kentucky and i if i remember correctly i believe it was near Hazard Kentucky but it wasn't in Hazard it was a small village near there right. and um, my my grandmother's sister was a nurse now this was back in the day when everybody said that my my great aunt should have been a doctor herself but She was a woman and back then that was pretty rare. So she was a nurse, but she went with them and they drove to Kentucky and when they got there, they found a hospital that was basically an old house in the small town and they had converted it into a hospital. I remember they said there were three rooms uh, for patients. There was an operating room and an office and that was basically the, the whole hospital. And they went in there and they found my grandfather And he had jet black hair, it had turned completely white. And uh, what had happened to him was, he was working on a a closed circuit power line. uh, And he told him, he was actually demonstrating because he was a foreman of the crew, he was demonstrating for one of the new guys what he needed to do. And he said, you do not open this line up until you see my feet on the ground.
3: Mm.
0: Well, the guy later on claimed that he had heard him call, heard a, a voice. Grandfather, and my grandfather said, "No, I did not. I was in. I was working on the line when you opened it, but this was much later." What he did was he opened the line up while Grandpa was working on it, and thirty-eight thousand volts of electricity oh went through his arm, down through his side, and melted a crescent branch. Into his hip, which they had to surgically remove, mm. and uh, they told him and, and when when my grandmother looked at that arm, it was exactly the way that that leg was on that was on that monk or whatever it was was coming downstairs. It was burned to the bone, and they couldn't stop the bleeding. Wow, and uh, they said they were going to have to cut the arm off, but my great aunt wouldn't let him do it she said he can be nursed back to health and they did and uh, but he had jet black hair and it turned completely white uh and his arm was was just a mess looked exactly like that monk or whatever it was that seen the night before well he was in the hospital for nine months and 20 days and you know nobody does this anymore but him being who he was he uh days, he went back to work for the power company and worked for him for about 32 years in the field after that. But, um, you know, I don't know anybody that would do that after what he went through. I mean, that was 38,000 volts at the time that he got that 38,000 volts. uh, That was, now it's been superseded since then many times. But at the time he was the, uh, he had the most electricity to shoot through a human body and live. And he actually made it into the. uh, Back then that uh, Ripley's, he actually made it into one of the Ripley's books because of that. (laughs) Um, But that was the story that my grandmother told me. And that's the one that first got me interested in the paranormal, because I knew. Uh, my grandmother wasn't gonna lie about anything. And when she told me that story, I knew it was true. (laughs) Plus my great-grandmother confirmed it later. Wow, wow, that's a wild story, ain't it? Yeah. She never did know what it was a guardian angel. And she said, now she would see things like that from time to time herself, but she said the reason she thinks that it showed itself to this other lady was because my mother was pregnant at the time and if she saw it as benevolent even though it wasn't a pretty sight and she didn't want or it didn't want her to see him and then collapse on the floor with with my mother and her and everything
1: yeah yeah or mark the baby in some way yeah
0: right right
1: wow man well i'm glad you shared that with me
0: that's how i got interested me and brian
1: hold on just want to say this internet is messing me up again like you keep pausing like like it's it's freezing on you i'm just going to try to switch over real quick because it's supposedly it'll run 2g or 5g so i'm going to see (coughs) if that helps it at all okay it's showing full internet we're still good to go okay let's keep rolling man i'll i'll holler at y'all if it if it freezes up on us
0: again Okay, so that's how me and uh, me and Brian, you know, got together, because we, one of the reasons, well, we had political interests, too, <laughs> that uh, we talked about a lot, but then the paranormal, we, that's kind of what got me interested, when we started a, par- we started a paranormal research group, uh, which was more just for fun, you know, we, we didn't pretend like we knew what we were doing, but, you know, we would go out and, <laughs> And do investigations and stuff, and Brian would go with us too. He joined in with us. Uh, got one more story I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that got me interested too. This was a little bit later, <laughs> but uh, I was. Uh, this is another old one. Uh, there's a there's a mountain near here called Stovall Ridge, and uh, my great grandmother was a Stovall, and she. Uh, I was. I've always considered myself lucky because not a whole lot of people get to live at a time when they know their great grandparents well. Yeah. But, uh, my great grandmother, I was 15 years old when she died. So I knew her well. And, uh, I've got several stories I can tell you about her. This one isn't paranormal, but it's really short and it's funny I think <laughs> She was a, she had a four story house and I was walking up by her house one day and she, uh, she was up there cleaning the outside windows to her attic. It was four stories counted the basement and the oh, attic. And she God. was up on an extension ladder. She was 91 years old at the time. <laughs> and she's up on this ladder way up there cleaning the outside of the windows. And I looked up at her and she looked down at me and she said, you don't think I ought to be doing this, do you? I said, well, I don't think you ought to be doing it in a dress. And she looked down and she said, well, I guess you're right. And she climbed down off the ladder, went to the house, and she came out in overalls and went right back at it. <laughs> but, uh, but my, my great grandmother, now she was something else. She was a wildcat. <laughs> and uh, all her life, even when I knew her when she was older. Well, when she was young and she lived up on Stovall Ridge, uh, you come down Stovall Ridge, you go through a little place called Spanish Bird. And then, uh, which is not really a town, it's more a farming community. And uh, and you go on past that and you come into Princeton, which is the, the metropolitan area around <laughs> here, uh, almost 8,000 people. And uh, <clears throat> so she uh, had got, or her family had gotten a car. Now this was about 1916 or something like that. So, there was no driver's license. Uh, you didn't have any regulation or anything other than your dad said, you're okay to be on the road. Um, he was wrong, but, uh, (laughs) but he made that proclamation and she decided she wanted to drive down off the Ridge into Princeton. It's about eight miles into Princeton. And, uh, her, she had a big family, she had 11 siblings, and her, one of her sisters wanted to go with her, so they, and I only heard this story one time, they didn't talk about it a lot, because it wasn't something my great-grandmother wanted to remember, but anyway, her, her, one of her younger sisters, uh, she was about 16, the younger sister was about 14, she wanted to go with her so they loaded up in the car and they started into princeton my great grandmother was driving well it's a twisting winding road into princeton and there's a bridge over the bluestone river uh there's several but the first one you come to it the bridge goes right into the turn and my great grandmother was flying like she always was uh and she hit the bridge Mm. and the side of it and when she did Uh, I guess maybe my great-grandmother was buckled in because she didn't leave the vehicle, but her sister wasn't, and she went flying through the windshield and landed on the bridge, uh, and she landed on her head and then kind of flipped over, and she was dead almost instantly. Well, years later, um, I was... uh, I, I, I... I'm a lawyer here in town, and one of the lawyers that I used to work with, she was telling about how she was driving down near Spanishburg, and they had seen this girl standing on the bridge that looked like she was dressed in 19th, early 20th century attire. And as they went past her, they thought, she's too young to be out here. This was like two o'clock in the morning. And they thought, she's too young to be out here by herself standing on this bridge in basically the middle of nowhere. So they pulled over right when they got past the bridge. They turned around to ask her if she needed a ride. And it, she was a full body. turned out she was a full-bodied apparition because while they were looking at her, she just disappeared right in front of their eyes. It wasn't they turned around and she wasn't there. They turned around and she was still there, but she disappeared right in front of her and her daughter's eyes. Wow. And when she told me that story, I said, I bet I know who that is. And I said, Why don't you take me out there sometime and I'll, I'll tell you the story? And uh, she said, Well, I'll tell you where it is. I said, Oh, I know where it is. She said, Well, then you go out there. We, I will not go out there after sundown again, ever. <laughs> and she meant it. Well, come a few years later, a couple of years later, this lady was still working in, in our office. And uh, my grandmother died. So I was going uh, through some of the family heirlooms and everything and pictures and everything. And oh my gosh, it was a chore because they took pictures of pretty much everything. I mean, there was boxes and boxes and boxes of pictures that they had just stored away. They Mm -hmm. couldn't put them in albums because I don't think they had that many albums, but the boxes of pictures were just something. And I came on this one box of this uh, it looked like a wreck, and there were police standing around. You can tell the pictures had been taken at night, and they were extremely old. And uh, then I saw this girl. They had taken some close-ups of this girl that was laying there, obviously dead, in the middle of the road. And I got to thinking, and I thought, you know, that's probably the wreck that that I was told about earlier and uh, so I didn't have time to go through all the pictures, and I took that box to the office with me, and when I had some downtime, I started going through the pictures looking at them, and I'd laid a few out. Well, I got up out of my office to go talk to somebody there, and, and while I was talking to one of the secretaries, I hear her scream, and I come back <laughs> in there, and I said, what's wrong? Well, she's, she's standing there over the pictures, and she's just shaking, and she's got one of the pictures of, of my great aunt, uh, laying there dead in the road, and I said, "What's wrong?" And she said, "This is a picture of that girl that we saw standing on the bridge when we drove through at two o'clock in the morning, and this is the reason I will not go back there after dark." <laughs> I said, "Well, that's my great aunt." And then I went ahead and told her the story, and she didn't have she didn't say anything. She just shook her head and walked away. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, those those are the kind of things that really got me interested in it. And uh, you know, then we we went and oh, did uh you know, we've gone to uh the old uh West Virginia uh state lunatic asylum in, in Weston. Yeah uh one of my favorites uh ghost concept we've been there several times is um is Pocahontas. Oh, uh, yeah. Pocahontas used to be a big coal mining town here and it's in Virginia but we you know we're on the county you know the county borders Virginia so it's not very far away yeah and uh, it's just across state line there's a lot of people I was going to say a lot of people live in Pocahontas and work (laughs) here but okay of the people who are still there a lot of them work (laughs) in West Virginia because Pocahontas used to be about 10,000 people back when the coal was booming and now
2: it's about 10 Well, I
0: think think their population now is around 300. Wow. And, uh, but uh, one of the things we did when we were at Pocahontas, there's a, there's a, the old coal mine uh, that they used to work. There was an explosion there. And I don't know how many people were killed
2: in that. 125, I think.
0: Yeah, and they just, bur- I mean, a lot of the bodies were identifiable and everything. So they buried them in a mass grave in the Pocahontas Cemetery. Well, one of the uh, town council ladies, yes, they still have a town council. Uh, she had told us that she had gotten permission from the mayor for us to come one night and go down and explore in, in the old uh, mine. Now, what she didn't know at the time was that the mayor and her were political enemies. She found this out that night uh, because the the mayor had given her written permission to take a group down in there and and explore the mine. Well, one of the things we did was we took some uh, mag-like flashlights down there and we had three of them and we set them up on one side of, of the mine and walked across and just sat there and started asking questions and everything. And As I remember at the time, nothing was really happening. Uh, the lights didn't come on. They didn't go off. Nothing was going on. So we just kind of sat there and got to talk. And there was me and Brian, the council lady, my ex-wife, Natalie, and uh, and another attorney here in town, David Smith, who was also interested in the paranormal. And we were all sitting there just talking and everything. And and all of a sudden, I look up, and there's like a shadow now, where we were sitting, there's a turn in in the mine. You know, you go around a curve and then you go straight down for a long time. And we were sitting right at the edge of that curve. And I looked up, I was sitting next to my wife at the time, and I said, "There's a shadow figure coming down the cave or down the mine." And you could see it was clearly coming down. Well my wife looked over and she kind of froze up. She, uh, cause here it came, there was no denying it. We were all looking at it, but as the shadow figure got closer and closer, we could hear heavy boot thuds. And, uh, and as, <laughs> as the shadow figure came around the corner, the shadow figure was wearing a Virginia state troopers uniform, complete with badge. <laughs> what? And, uh, and he said, uh, he started into us right away. He said, uh, "Old oh, oh, the trespassing, if you don't leave now, we're gonna arrest you. And you know, on and on, he just lit into us. Well, the council lady, she had a temper and she was furious and she got up and she said, I've got written permission from the mayor right here. And she started to take the letter out of her back pocket. And he said, lady, I don't care what you've got. I was called by the mayor uh-huh. To let to to come down here and find out what was going on at the mine, and uh y'all are trespassing. Well, the funny thing was I looked over and he saw the the trooper saw it too out of the corner of his eye, I could tell because his his conversation with us completely changed, and I'll give you an example here in a second, but we looked over and the middle we had three lights over there, and all of a sudden the middle light goes on. Now, keep in mind, we're sitting probably 25 feet from it. Mm -hmm. Nobody is anywhere near the flashlights, but the middle light goes on and then the one on the left goes on. And then the one in the center turns Mm -hmm. off and the one on the right goes on. And then they both turn (laughs) off and the middle one comes on and then they all three came on and they're just putting on a light show. Yeah. And and we're sitting there looking, and the trooper is sitting there. You can, he's not looking directly at it, but you can tell the way he kind of slanted his head. He's seeing this out of the corner. Uh-huh. Of the yeah. And his conversation with us went something like this. He said, if you don't leave now, you're all under arrest. And I can see that y'all that y'all aren't bothering anything. And and Clearly, you've got permission from the mayor. And about this time, he starts backing up. And he's telling us this. And he says, and, and y'all aren't hurting anything. Be sure and lock the gate when you get out. Y'all have a good time. About that time, he makes it around the corner. And as soon as he got around that corner, he turned around. And you could tell from his boot thuds that he was running out of the mine as fast as he could get out. And that was the last we saw him. <laughs> oh, man. You got
1: saved by a ghost. <laughs>
0: yeah
1: yeah that's awesome that's a good we we
0: we went to uh we 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 went in the pocahontas cemetery uh quite a bit too you could in virginia if you have family buried in the cemetery you can go in there at any time well uh the council lady had some relatives that were that were buried there so she kind they were distant but we kind of used that as a pass to Right. to go in there now eventually we did get banned because from going in the cemetery because the other attorney that i was telling you about david uh he was on the historic pocahontas preservation committee and there was this war going on between them and the town council minus our ally that was on it
3: right. and uh,
0: they had had some devil worshipers go in the cemetery a, a little while before and they had gone through, and they had sprayed up some monuments and different things like that. And uh, so he, t- so I remember when David told us they had banned us from the cemetery. I said, "How did you manage to convince them that we were devil worshippers? <laughs> Me and Brian are Baptist, and you're Methodist. How did you manage this?" But anyway, but before that happened, uh, we went in the we went in the cemetery and. Uh, We were there. The cemetery is divided into, you know, because this is how they brought in coal miners and there was different sections of the cemetery. There was a Hungarian section, there was a Czech section, a Chinese section, a Russian section. Well, just so happens my ex-wife is Russian. she's actually Ukrainian and she would probably shoot me for calling her a Russian, but they're they're Canadians and Americans, you know, they they have about 50 words different in their language. And so they don't, they're trying to fight each other to extinction, but, um, (laughs) she, uh, she, she speaks fluent Russian because in the Ukraine, it was part of the Soviet Union for so long that all the countries speak fluent Russian plus whatever their native language is. And Ukrainians, like I said, there's about 50 words that are different anyway. Right. So we were over in the Russian section and uh, I turned and everybody else had their back to it. Uh, but I'm, I'm staring right over the graves and I see this lady come across the cemetery and she's in a black hat and she's wearing like a black dress and then she just disappeared Mm -hmm. and she disappeared right when she came over one of the Russian graves and I went over and looked and and it was a Russian name and everything so my we all went over and we checked out several of the Russian Russian graves in that section and uh my wife had this idea to start singing in Russian uh, because she thought they might enjoy it. And she did, she started saying, she had a pretty voice, has a pretty voice. And she started singing this Russian folk song. And uh, we were playing EDPs later on and you can hear an EDP in, it was in English, but it was in very, very thick, uh, Russian accent and something said she's Russian wow. and awesome. before before we were done with the EVP, they joined you could tell there were different voices you clearly could tell my wife's voice was different from these other voices that joined in with her but there were other Russian voices that were singing along with her on the EVP. And you could tell, I think there were like three or four of them. And they were all singing along with her. And I said, what was that song? And she said, it was just an old Russian folk, folk song. She said, I sang it because if they were, you know, alive in like the 1920s or something, they would have known this song. Right. And they did. They sang it right along with her. And it was clear all the way through the songs. They didn't stop till she did. And there was, there was kind of a little bit of a giggle or laugh at the end of the song when she quit singing. So that game shields <laughs> that's yeah, like that's an experience yeah. you know <laughs> At, wow. yeah that was a that, we had some fun in that cemetery uh of course we were always despite what the town majority <laughs> of town council thought we were always very respectful we tried not to step on graves and and things like that yeah um and uh but we had some fun in there we were in the hungarian section one time and i was i set the uh my EVP recorder right next to one of the gravestones uh, from one of the Hungarians. And I was trying to do an EVP uh, on it, but I couldn't because it kept moving. Every time I reached <sighs> down to get it, it would slide. <laughs> now, we never did get an EVP out of that, but there was
2: no excuse for that to slide unless somebody <laughs> was moving it, you know? Yeah. And if you get tired, don't ever sit on a gravestone. Uh, it's bad manners. Yeah, <laughs> and you might get your butt pinched.
0: Well, that was the one time what Brian is describing. We were still—I don't remember if we were in or near the Russian section at the time, but Brian was getting exhausted. I mean, we got there about eleven o'clock. It's now like three thirty in the morning. So Brian decides he's going to sit down on one of the the gravestones, uh, the uh, monuments. And I said, Brian, don't do that. That's, that's <laughs> not really what we're, we want to do. Yeah. And he said, oh, it'll be all right. I'm, I'm not sitting on the grave or anything, just the headstone. Well, we got ready to go to another section. And Brian said, wait a minute. <laughs> I said, what's wrong? He said, I can't move. I said, what do you mean you can't move? You're I a mean, perfectly healthy guy, you know, at that time anyway. And uh, and and I said, just get up and let's go. And he said, no, no, you don't understand. I can't move. <laughs> and he, for about five minutes, something had a hold of him, and he could not move. Oh my
1: gosh! Uh, the Russian go. got a hold of you. <laughs> so be
2: respectful. Yeah. That's that's all I can say. Yeah, yeah, man. That my my favorite incident though in that one, and I think I shared this with you. <clears throat> was when Dave lost his uh, laser grid pen mm-hmm. in amongst the stones and he couldn't find it and he looked and <clears throat> none of us had a clue where he might have dropped it and in the EVP later you hear this really deep voice say well shit he'll never find it
0: <laughs> <laughs> now he had <coughs> I think when you say the laser grid are you talking about the one that had the multiple yep. lights okay i got a quick one about that too yeah. Uh we were, uh, uh, Dave had, had pointed his laser grid toward one of the mausoleums. And, you know, the way those things work, you know, if, if anything goes by it, you'll be able to see the disruption in the different points of light.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, he had it set up against that monument or against that uh, mausoleum because it was the biggest thing in the area and more, more light pebbles could be around it. And um, Dave kept saying, do you want to go through the light? Do you want to go through the light? Uh, I've got the light set up right on the mausoleum. Just walk through the light. We'll be able to see you. Well, we didn't see anything. But about that time, my wife grabs her ear and she goes, who screamed? Well, none of the rest of us could hear anything. But she said, well, while Dave was back there saying, do you want to go through the light? Do you want to go through the light? All of a sudden, something screamed, already been. And I said, I said I don't, we didn't hear anything. Well, we replayed the EVP recorder. And sure enough, now it wasn't a scream the way she heard it. I mean, she grabbed her ear and, and put her head down. She said it was so loud. But you could clearly hear, and I know a lot of people, you know, they play EVPs and they're like, listen to this. And you can't really tell what it is until they say, you know, this is what you're supposed to hear. Well, that wasn't the case on this one. Dave is sitting back there, uh, pointing the light and he says, walk through the light. Do you want to go through the light? he, He said it four or five times. And all of a sudden we hear something clearly says I've already been. Wow. And, uh, And that was what she heard screaming in her ear. Now I didn't, when we heard it on the EVP recorder, it did not sound like a scream, but it was very clear. And Mm -hmm. but it was, it was at the same time on the EVP recorder, at that same time you could hear my wife yell, who screamed that? And that was what it was.
1: That's fantastic. Now, did she have a lot of activity around her? Because it seems like maybe she was a little bit sensitive.
0: Well, I think she is. Now, she is, and this is since we got divorced, she's gotten extremely religious, which like I said, we're Baptist. I don't mind that. But I mean, you know, you can take anything too far. Yeah. And she's gotten extremely religious. She will not go on ghost hunts. She won't do any of that now. Yeah. But I do think she is a little bit sensitive, because when we used to, especially when we used to go up to uh, the uh, mental asylum at Weston, uh, Dave used to call her Ghost Mate, <laughs> and, uh, and and one time we were uh, we were walking down through a section of the of the hospital, and uh, all of a sudden she yelled and she was like, "Ow, what?" And I was like, "What's wrong?" Because I couldn't see anything, you know, that had happened to her. And she kind of bent on one leg, and she said, "Something just scratched my hip." And I said, well, it's probably the way you've got your clothes or something, you know, you probably just scratched against your hip from your shirt or something. I didn't think it was any big deal, but she kept complaining about it. So we got to off to one of the rooms and I said, well, come in here and let me see what it is. And she pulls her pants down a little bit on the hip. And she had three scratch marks right down her hip. And uh, I said, well, It's there. I mean, I don't know what to do about it. I mean, it doesn't look bad enough that you need like immediate medical attention, but there's clearly three marks down your hip. Well, while we were checking it, Dave, uh, he sticks his head in there and he says, everything okay? Well, about, you know, my wife had her pants half down and I said, Dave, just go outside. We'll be all right in a minute. About two minutes later, Dave sticks his head back in. Y'all need some help? I said, no, Dave, we don't need any help. Get out. And this happens like four or five times. And finally, I yelled at him. I'm like, Dave, get out. We'll be out in a few minutes. So anyway, uh, that those marks, I mean, like I said, they weren't bad enough that she needed medical attention, but they were bad enough that they were still there the next day. Wow. And uh, I asked the, our guide, because what they do, I don't know if you've ever been to Weston or not, but I haven't. Uh. Okay, you you should go. Oh yeah, it is a fun fun trip. And what they do is they will take you on each floor. There's four floors, and they'll give you a quick guided tour uh, that lasts about maybe ten minutes. Then they turn you loose for about an hour, hour and a half to that floor. And there's only ten of you on the floor, and it's a big building, so it's real easy to feel like you're completely alone. Uh-huh. You know uh because you if you're like there were at the time I think there were four of us in our group it was just me well it was me <coughs> Brian Dave and Natasha so yeah, yeah that was four and uh when there's just four of you and there's six other people on the other end of the hole these holes are long yeah, yeah. and they go through curves and you go and technically you're in a different hole so you you really do start to feel like you're alone well you're not alone for long. <laughs> yeah, alone. And, uh, and so I asked uh, our guide, because, you know, you go through four floors and, and you have trouble remembering which section is which and all of that. You just try to remember the hot spots that they point out so you can go investigate those. Right. And I, but I asked our guide, I said, uh, what uh, wing were we in when I told him what had happened? And I said, what wing were we in when that happened? And he looked at Addison grinned, and he said, well, you were in the section for juvenile sex offenders. Oh my <laughs> God. And I said, so I looked at Natasha and I said, <coughs> well, now you know what happened.
1: I want to take just a minute to tell you guys about SquatchSurvivalGear.com. If you're into camping, bushcraft, survival, prepping, or just looking for an everyday carry, SquatchSurvivalGear.com has everything you need. They have the gear to help you survive the worst day of your life. You know, it's just to help you be ready. Uh, for me, I have the Rock Ape Pack. It's one of the backpacks that they offer. It is, it's is—it's a good-sized bag. You know, it, I, I took it out on my last trip for a, for a four-day camp, and everything I needed fit in there. Um, they have things that go from that size down to like a sling bag. They have a bigger bag, you know, like the Grassman or the Yowie. Uh, if you haven't noticed, they have cool names, too. You know, they're named after, you know, these cryptids, the Menehune. Uh, they, they, they got it all. But the gear itself is 100% made in America. Every component is made in America. Um, the guy that's designing them and making them here, his name is Chris. He's been on my show a couple times, but he's a uh, he's a veteran. And he went with the gear that he used while in military service and reconfigured it to, to be even better and made it available you know, to the civilian sector. Top of the line gear, absolutely bomb proof. I love it. Best stuff I've ever had in my life. You know, I've, I've had Camelbacks. I've had L.L. Bean. I've had uh, some, some really high end stuff. But this Squatch survival gear it just, it steals the show. Uh, it's fantastic gear. So go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. You can use promo code bump 10 and save 10% on anything on the entire site.
0: I remember one time me and Brian, uh, we, this was on a different trip and it was just three of us at that time, me, Brian, and my ex-wife. And we were coming down, we were on the first floor and the tour basically ends around five am well it was around four forty five we were just gonna go back to the break room we were exhausted and just sit there and have some coffee or something and I didn't know where Natasha was she was off way behind us for some reason uh, Natalie Natasha's kind of a Russian pet name for Natalie and uh, so we're coming down there and we're about to go through the doors into the the main entrance there which is the only section that they have completely fixed up to look not modern but you know the way it did back then. Yeah. And uh, we're about to go in that section and I'm I'm looking around for Natasha and I I don't see where she's at. And uh, she's it turns out she's way back there because the reason we found out where she was was as often happens in these things we heard a scream. <laughs> well, <laughs> here she comes running down the the hallway and when I turned and looked at her what she was doing didn't make any sense because she would start running and then she'd back up and she'd yell ah and then and then she'd try to go to her right she'd run and she'd back up she'd try to go to her left and run and back up and finally she just shoots completely down the middle going past us and Brian and I being tired Brian I remember Brian looked at me and he goes that. Uh, nah. And uh, <laughs> so, so we get out there and she's already sitting in the break room and she said, didn't you see that? And I said, see what? She said, there was something, some woman right in front of me. And she said, I said, well, I thought you'd lost your mind because you just kept running forward and backing up, going to your right, backing up. Yeah. She said, that's because this woman kept blocking me every time I tried to run. And uh, she oh. said, finally, I decided i got to get out of here i'm just going to run right through it (laughs) and she did she ran right through whatever it was that that was blocking her and ran out into the break room and waited for us and she said i'm not going back in there and and i think that was the last trip that that she took with
2: us wow yeah i I would love let's 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 tell about the green light and let let me introduce it and then uh then you take the half that uh Oh, okay. The it, in yeah. My old house. yeah. Oh, oh, no, 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 up at town. Remember something down the hall? Oh, see, you're, you're going to have to tell that because see,
0: most of this was going on, and I didn't even know it. So <laughs> you'll have to, you'll
2: have to tell that. <laughs> well, no, you're, you're going to remember. You're going to remember here in, in a minute. We we had gone. I think we were on the fourth floor. It was late in the evening. There were these. Uh, it was just three of us, I think, Earl and Dave and myself. Um, the fourth floor at one time was living quarters for staff. Mm-hmm. It was it's a it's a different part of that building. The floors are different. They're wooden instead of the tile and things. There are little windows and cubbies and and uh, skylights. But when you're when you're in this place investigating, there's one bare bulb where the guy drops you. And everything else is just pitch dark. It's just black. So you've got your flashlights, whatever you got with you when you go investigating. There were these two young ladies that were there by themselves. There was nobody else in their group. And one of them had gotten scratched all the way down her back on the floor just before that. And and she was really disturbed. So we sat down, we were having a rest, talking to these young ladies, trying to calm her down, make her feel more comfortable. Um, well, in the dark, we're sitting in the pitch black, Earl slips down the hall by himself quietly, moves into the next wing, I heard the door. And about that time, a disembodied voice of a woman starts to sing a lullaby, like she was singing to a little child. It was down the hall a ways. And we're just listening to this. We've been talking to those girls and comforting those girls. And we didn't have a bit of recording equipment going. We're just experiencing this, real excited about it. Right after it was over, I was like, well, I got to go tell Earl. He bursts through the door. You guys got to come up here. You got to hurry up. You got to come up here. And and he doesn't do that, right? Right. Cool as a cucumber. I mean, he's lived through experiences you've not heard about that would uh, cause most people to lose it. But <clears throat> he comes out there really excited. We go up the hall. There's nothing there. And then he tells the story, which he's he's going to remember when I tell it. Uh, he says, I walked through the doors and there was a green light at the other end of the hall. Well, I heard voices, so I was really quiet. I didn't want to interfere with anybody's investigation. And then very clearly I heard one of them say there's something at the other end of the hall watching us and the light went out. So he goes to turn his light on and there isn't anything there. Wow. <laughs>
3: there was yeah.
2: nobody else in that wing. So it was literally spirits, the green light talking. They realized somebody was watching, was watching them. Yeah. I thought, I, I remember that now that Brian
0: mentioned it. I thought that was uh That was another investigating group until there was nobody there. Right, until it wasn't. (laughs) Uh, Right,
2: right. You know, in that place, we've had black figures run around our legs. We've been hit and scratched and you name it, choked. Um, It's not a place for the faint of heart you're you're not
1: exactly making me want to go.
0: <laughs> well, but, I, but as far as I know nobody's ever really been hurt there. Yeah. Uh now there was there was one guy this isn't really our story but it's one of the ones that the guides was telling us about. There was a guy that was back from uh Afghanistan or Iraq, I can't remember which which it was and he was going to re up but he had a little bit of time off and he he wanted to do a guide uh, tour and normally you got to have 40 people because you have 10 people on each uh floor that's never a problem because there's always people signing up but this was kind of the off season but they figured you know he's back from serving his country we want to give him the tour you know so they did and uh he uh he said something started he was sitting in the hallway and something started crawling toward him right and he said it was it was like furry and way too big to be any known animal. It looked like a human that was, you know, sort of like a human, but oh, it was crawling on all fours. And he got up and ran out of there and he said, thanks for the tour guys, but I'm done. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and he did not want to go back. He said, I've seen stuff in Afghanistan, but this I don't want to see. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, uh, but like I said, nobody's ever been hurt there as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, That might get
2: scratched, but that's as as bad as it's going to be. Yeah. Don't antagonize, all I could say.
0: Now, when when Brian was was talking about the green light, I thought he was talking about the one in my old uh, house where I partially grew up in. Uh, My great-grandmother that I was telling you about, Mm -hmm. in her second marriage, she she moved to Roanoke because uh, her uh, husband... Uh, who I always just thought of as my great-grandfather. I never did know her first husband. No. Uh, he worked for the railroad, so she moved to Rono. Well, when she got up in her years, my my uh, grandparents, and they raised me, my grandparents did, because my mother died young. I was about 14 months old. And uh, my grandparents moved down to uh, to Rono, a couple of houses over from her. They They kept a house here in Mercer County, but they were always going back and forth cuz they wanted to keep an eye on her. She was getting in her late 80s, early 90s, you know, and somebody needed to keep an eye on her and she would not move out of her house. Uh one time part of her ceiling caved in because she had a leakage and and she kept my grandparents out of the house as long as she could cuz she was afraid they'd make her move. But <laughs> what she didn't even understand about herself was you couldn't make her move. She wasn't the type that was going anywhere. Yeah. So um anyway, uh that house that they bought was built about 1906 and it was a big kind of a sprawling house it had the full basement walk-in attic you know where you could put bedrooms up there if you wanted to and it originally on the second floor had been six bedrooms but they knocked out a couple of walls and made it kind of a living tv area out of two of the rooms and then it was still a four bedroom house downstairs you had the fireplace you had the dining room with the sliding doors where you could close off the dining room from the rest of the house. There was a, a parlor next to that and then a big kitchen and pantry and all that. It was just that wow. one of those old-fashioned houses. And it had a, a, a porch, that a wraparound porch that went three-quarters of the way around the house. And, and we loved to sit up there in the evenings and you know just enjoy the sun going down and the neighbors coming by and talking to them and everything. But anyway, <clears throat> um, there was a legend, I guess you'd call it a legend now because it had been so long ago. supposedly the house had been built by a guy who worked for the railroad for his bride, and according to the legend, uh the bride ran off with somebody else just before uh they were supposed to get married. well, uh the guy, and again, the, the reason I keep saying the legend is because we actually found out the true story of what happened later on, on one of our ghost hunts, but according to the legend, uh, the guy rented out the rest of the house, and he just kept one room, and it had a bathtub in it at the time, and you could still, and that turned out, of course, to be my bedroom, um, and, uh, you could still see the pipe came out of the wall just a few inches, you know, where the bathtub used to be and everything. And I just put my bed over next to that section. Well, uh, one day I was in school and I had been working on some school project for, oh, it was like three days. I hadn't slept all day and all night. And I'd finally finished it. I get home from school and it's about three o'clock. And I told my grandmother, I said, I'm going to bed. I'm exhausted. I've been up for 72 hours. I can't, I can hardly walk. So I went upstairs, went to bed, but it was hot. And my grandparents, because they didn't have air conditioning when they were growing up, of course, they didn't believe anybody else needed air conditioning either. Right, right, so right. it's burning up. I opened up my window and I put a fan in, in there and I had the fan going on high. And I know I was not asleep because I could not sleep. You know, the harder you try to go to sleep, the more likely you're not going to go to sleep. So I turned and tossed and everything. And I I kept hearing my grandmother had a little office that was right off next to my uh, bedroom. And I kept and she had this old chair in there. And I kept hearing it shift like somebody was shifting their weight. And I finally got up in there and I I went in there and I was going to tell my grandmother, would you please stop moving around in the chair? It's creaking, and I can't sleep. Well, when I went in there, there was no one in that office. Of course. So I thought, yeah. well, okay. I, by this time, there, I'll never have time to tell you as many stories as what went on in that house. <laughs> so I knew what was going on. But it had never bothered us. You know, yeah. I mean, it, stuff happened. Nothing, nothing demonic or anything like that. Right. So I just thought, well, okay. Uh, maybe they'll stop. I'm going back to bed. Well, I laid there and I was closing my eyes as hard as I could, knowing I'm not gonna be able to sleep because this thing's still rattling around. It's still keeping me awake. And uh, all of a sudden, this hand comes down over my head. I can feel it. And I opened my eyes up and when I opened my eyes, whatever it was took its hand off my head. Mm -hmm. And I flipped over in the bed because My bed was set up so that one side of it was against the wall. The other side was to the entrance of the bedroom. And I rolled over and there was this dark shadow figure standing over me. I'll call it a shadow figure. I—I Really, it was like a spirit, I guess. But anyway, me being me and me back, kind of being used to weird stuff going on in the house. I, I backed up against the wall and I said, what do you want? And it said nothing. I'm just watching you. Oh and God. then it disappeared. So I got up and I went downstairs and I asked my grandmother, um, have you been upstairs? Now, this is when you try to rationalize something yeah. like that. Doesn't make a bit of sense. That thing didn't look anything like my grandmother. Right. But I asked her, I said, Have you been upstairs? She said, No, I've been down here cooking. And she was standing over next to the sink. I said, Where's grandpa? She said, He went to the to the hardware store. I said, okay and I didn't say anything to my grandmother about what had happened and I turned around I started to walk out of the kitchen and uh, my grandmother said why did you push me I turned around and I was 25 feet from her and I said what do you mean she said you just came up here and pushed me just a little bit I said no I didn't you can see where I'm standing oh. she said oh oh well something did and she just <laughs> went back to washing. so I've <laughs> I went upstairs and eventually I did get to sleep. But years later, I was grown. We had sold the house to, uh, my grandparents had died by this time. And I sold the house to some friends of ours and they weren't using it at the time. And I said, would you mind if we came down there and we did a ghost time? Yeah. And they said, no, nah, we don't care, go ahead. So we came down there and uh, it was me and Dave and there was another guy with us Uh, that joined in Uh, I can't remember his name now but anyway we went up there and we were trying to get EVPs and everything and and we set up a spirit box and we were and we started having this conversation uh with this entity and uh I said uh were you the the spirit that said it was watching me when I was young and uh It said yes on the spirit box, and I said, "Why were you watching me? Were you spying on me, or were you trying to protect me?" And it said, "Protect you." And uh, I started asking it questions because I knew some of the history of the house. You know, when was the house built? It told us when it was built. I knew that was accurate and everything. Wow. And and uh, so I said, "Were you the person that built the house that said yes?" Well. Without getting into too much detail about the conversation, because the conversation went on for about an hour and a half, uh, it told us that what had actually happened was it wasn't that, she, that his bride left him and he committed suicide. Oh, I left that part out. Uh, <laughs> supposedly, according to the legend, he had one day had just gotten in his bathtub, slit his wrists, and bled out. right um that was the legend what according to this entity had actually happened was that he came home one day uh his it was a big enough house that i guess she had already moved into it uh even though they weren't cohabitating yet but he came to visit her and he found out that uh she was carrying on an affair with somebody Mm. and he caught her and uh the guy jumped out of bed and started beating him and his bride jumped in on it and they murdered him. And oh they gosh. put, and after that, of course, with forensics, you couldn't do this now because, you know, they know better than, the, you stop bleeding when you die and all of this. But back then, they wouldn't have known any better. They didn't have the forensics to really tell it, but they had slid his wrist and put him in the bathtub to make it look like a suicide. But they caught him uh, and they caught her And according to him, uh, the guy died in prison in Virginia, but the wife, he said, was she beat the charge and she lived out her days. And I said, why are you here? And it said uh, to guard them. And I said, you mean you're guarding their spirits? And they said, yes. And I said, who told you to guard them? And he said, God. (laughs) What? Yeah, he said, God told him to guard these people. And so he would he's been spending this nearly over a hundred years now guarding these two spirits who murdered him. And apparently he has some sort of authority over them. They can't leave the house, but he said he was there to protect me.
2: And he must have done
0: a good job because, like I said. We had weird stuff happen in that house forever, but no, but we never felt threatened or or anything like that.
1: Man, wow, <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, <laughs> that. yeah. A, Okay, I got questions now, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, and the it, it's not real specific questions, you know, about any of this, any particular story. But uh, one with all these places you guys go and places that you've lived throughout the years. Uh have you all ever had something to attach itself to you or try to follow you back home? Or
2: Brian did. <laughs> yep, I'm gonna be in trouble now. <coughs> Let's hear it. I'm gonna be in trouble now because uh my wife's gonna get mad when she listens uh-uh. to this. Uh-oh. <clears throat> yeah, it it uh it did happen. Um As far as I know, she's gone now. She claimed to be a a former slave. In fact, here's the story I got. The story I got was that she was purchased in Kentucky by a doctor who moved to the asylum to work. um, And she died there and stayed there. <clears throat> Why this thing followed me home, I can't say. Um, I encouraged her to go to the light. Mm-hmm. She seemed to get frustrated and angry about that, and that worried me a little bit. Yeah. So uh, it wouldn't be the first time I, I told something to leave. Um, this happened to me over the years many times. And periodically, you know, it seems like things just pass through, and uh, I will pray and read scripture and command them in Jesus' name, you know, to leave, that they are no longer welcome. They're not welcome in this place. <clears throat> as far as I know, she left, but uh, yeah, it freaked me out a little bit. Uh, in fact, I, I got real mad at it one day. <clears throat> before I had told her to leave, I was kind of fussing and she knocked a globe off of one of my uh, oil lamps. I love my oil lamps. So then I was really upset, but it didn't break. As far as I know, you know, uh, no harm done. Yeah. But, you know, occasionally, you know, over the years, I've heard footsteps in the house and, uh, Again, did the same thing, just told them to leave. Yeah. Um, I welcome anything that's good and not anything that has bad intentions. But right. you know, with the
1: spirit, you never know. That's it. Yeah, you never know. It could be telling you that it's uh, you know right. a, a former slave and it'd be demonic. Exactly. Exactly. It'd
2: be something nasty. Yeah. But now when my when my girl was little when we first moved into that place, uh, she was just a toddler. Um, she was seeing a man in there for a long time, and I didn't know it. I, I, I'd gotten out some tools one day, and I was doing something. And she says, oh, you have one just like the man. I said, what man? She said, the man who goes around the house with tools and fixes things like you do. And I was like, what? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, but she'd been seeing this man going around the house with tools doing things. She said he had a a red and blue shirt or a red, white and blue shirt. I can't remember. Uh, Another weird thing that happened right after we moved in uh, and this is how long ago this was. We still had a film camera, 35 millimeter. Oh yeah. And uh, Abby was painting. We'd been painting in the kitchen. And so she grabbed a brush and was painting. So my wife goes to take a picture and she's standing next to a window, and when she snapped that picture, the flash was incredibly bright, and there was this loud cracking sound, and the glass in the window cracked. About six, eight-inch crack came in that window. We never knew what caused it or why it happened. Wow. But there's a reflection of a man that shows up in the picture in the window.
0: <clears throat> yeah. I got to add something real quick to Brian telling about the the former slave that followed him home. Yeah. Our favorite guide up at uh, Weston is a guy named Copperhead. They call him Copperhead just because he's got copper blonde hair and everything, but he's, he's really the best guide up there. And Brian (laughs) was telling him the next time we went up there, because for a while we went there once a year. And the next time we went up there, he told Copperhead, Brian did, uh, about that, Uh, supposed slave or whatever she really was coming down there with him and he said we'll bring her back we can't have people carrying off our ghosts (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I'll
1: send her ass back no problem yeah
0: yeah.
1: I I got more questions because this I, I, I might have talked to you about this before Brian you know when I do shows about bigfoot yeah. or you know just whatever i have no problems with anything you know my audio was just right and the internet works just fine i don't see black things out of the corner of my eye than in my house or get cold spots and, but when i do paranormal shows it's happened probably at least half a dozen times you know to the point where i have to go through and you know do my whatever version of casting things out i can think of you know at the time i'm not real well versed in that but you know i like the sage and i use jesus's name and yeah no booger you know be gone (laughs) you know and (laughs) it works so far so but you know with with that kind of stuff and with something attaching to you you know what do you guys both i want to hear from both of you too uh what do you think this is like what are these ghosts? Where are these spirits? Are spirits and souls the same thing? Uh, I know I'm, I'm throwing a big, like, you know, vague kind of stuff at you, but what's your just general idea of what these spirits are and how are we communicating with them and them with us?
0: Well, I've developed a theory about that. And I admit, I don't know, it is, it is just a theory, but it's right. based on what I've experienced and what I've read and everything. But I do think that when people refer to their higher selves, they're talking about their, their ultimate soul. And that ultimate soul, I believe, is in the celestial world and I've, I've come to believe although i i fought against this for the longest time and but i've finally come to think that it probably is true and and you can even find examples of it in the bible uh which is why i resisted it for so long because i had a very conservative religious upbringing and then i found out this was in the bible but i i do believe we reincarnate and uh i i do too, uh, I
1: bo- <laughs> I do too
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I like i said i resisted that for the longest time but the more i read and even in the bible i, I came to the conclusion that that probably is true because you know there's remember in i think it's in matthew where uh, after john the baptist's disciples uh after john the baptist was killed the disciples came to jesus and they said are you the messiah and he basically said yes and they, they said how can you be the messiah the scriptures clearly say that Elijah Elijah. has to come first, and yeah, Elijah did come, and you didn't recognize him, and he was talking about John the Baptist, Yeah, and I think that's a perfect example of reincarnation there, Uh Uh, and I think what happens is, you know, to God or the ultimate entity, whatever, I mean, I'm going to call him God, because that's my upbringing, but whatever you want to call him, the ultimate power in the universe, uh, time is meaningless, So like that girl, my great aunt that I was telling you about that was down on that bridge. um, Somebody said, well, wouldn't that be cruel to have her stuck there for over 100 years? And I said, how do you know she was stuck there for 100 years? To her, her death might have happened a few minutes ago, you know, and she might still be exploring because time is meaningless, you know, to, to God and to the celestial realm. And I think that, our spirit is a portion of our soul. And it's the portion of our soul that comes down to earth. And I believe we're sent down here to learn and to learn how to, to be kinder to each other, to learn how basically how to behave. It's like being in school. And I think that's why reincarnation happens because we're, God gives us as many chances as we need. Uh, to learn what we need to learn, and uh, I think that sometimes when we encounter spirits, um, those are the spirits that have not yet reincarnated, and they might seem like they're hundreds of years old, but to them, it, it might be a few minutes, yep. you know, And uh, and when they reincarnate, we won't see them anymore, at least not in that form, I don't think, because that's when that portion of that spirit goes back is reunited with, with the ultimate soul, the higher self, and then we can reincarnate. Uh, that's just my theory. I mean, I don't pretend to, yeah. to have answers to all this, but that makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, and it does make sense. I, I like that. Yeah, you know, I, I do believe in reincarnation. Brian knows that. Um, and I think for the same reason, I think we get chance after chance until the day of judgment, you know, to get Christ like, you know, yeah. and that's the ultimate goal, right? Um right. And I think I think it makes sense to me, you know, because I don't know, I don't want to get too deep into you know religion, but it makes sense to me as why well we come, you know, we have to go somewhere after we die. Right. <laughs> you know, and <clears throat> I and, and until judgment day, I don't think we're going to go to heaven or hell. I think we're going to have to come back and try again, take another swing until we can reach yeah you know, that Christ-like state or enlightenment or whatever you want to call it. But right. yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate you telling me that, Earl.
2: Brian, are you well, on the same page with, with Earl? Or well, when, it, when it comes to uh, these sorts of things uh, and people get mad, people get upset with uh, thoughts and theories that contradict what they've always been taught. But <clears throat> you know, I always say the the plain things are the main things and the main things are the plain things. And uh, you you know hold on to those, yeah. um, but keep a little bit of an open mind. Um, there is an unseen realm, as you well know, yeah. And uh, we 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 don't understand it entirely, and we don't have an instruction book to it. Um, we've got a lot of hints, a lot of clues, a lot of stories uh, that are ancient. And it's really hard unless you're a scholar and you've read a lot of ancient material to understand sometimes the deeper meaning. Yeah. Uh, so so I think, you know, keep, keep an open mind. Are you familiar with the story of Patience Worth? I don't think so. Ah, uh, well, <clears throat> Patience Worth was a woman, I want to say from St. Louis, 100 and some years ago, Uh, Very simple, not very intelligent, uh, kind of a -a workaday person in in that time. Couldn't read, couldn't write, no education to speak of. All of a sudden, one day, not only is she reading and writing, but she's writing poetry and she's writing novels that are bestsellers in the time. People would interview her, and what they discovered was... A spirit of a woman claimed to be inhabiting her, and the woman told her history. I don't remember exactly when she was from, but colonial America. She had always wanted to be a writer. In her time, she couldn't do it. She encounters Patience Worth, who is very simple and willing to let her work through her. People ask her a lot of questions, and one of those questions was, well, if you died all this time ago, shouldn't you be in heaven? And she said, I've been to heaven. God's a builder, not a jangler. <laughs>
0: that's a
1: good way to put it.
0: Yeah. Now, now, now that is, uh, I remember that story. And I think you can find that in uh, America's Most Haunted or something. And it's uh, by Scott Norman. And uh, I can't remember the lady that co-authored it, authored it with him. But uh, yeah, that's. That's a really good, true true story. And the interest, one of the interesting things about that is the, the lady or the spirit that uh, possessed Patience Worth. Now, Patience Worth was out in the Midwest somewhere. I can't remember what state. It was like Wisconsin or St. Louis. Maybe St. Louis or somewhere out there. <laughs> yeah. But the spirit that inhabited her said she was killed by Indians in Virginia. Uh, and uh, so she was fairly close to us about the time period you know that would have been the time of the shawnee wars right along the what then was the frontier
2: some of my ancestors were murdered too yeah yeah no doubt
1: uh wow that i i wrote that down if you see the top of my head instead of my face it's because i'm writing something yeah yeah
0: it's a really good book
1: yeah i'm gonna check that out man well guys, I really appreciate you guys coming on here. Um, is there anything else you want to cover? Anything, any stories that jump out that you want to make sure that you get out, or you wanna well we can schedule something for next time too, because there I plan on there being yeah, the next we time.
0: might yeah, we might want to do that because there's so many things <laughs> that have happened, like especially in that house uh that I was telling you about where something woke me up, and then we went back, in a, or didn't wake me up, I wasn't asleep, but, you know, put its head on, or hand on my head, yeah. uh, I'll tell you one real quick one time on that, um, now, my grandparents were kind of funny, my grand, and I always joked, and said it was because, my family's been in the country for a long, long time, but if you go back far enough on my grandmother's side, she's basically Scottish, uh-huh. and I always said that was why she you know, with all the legends of the witchcraft and all that stuff, which, which she didn't necessarily appreciate being a good dyed-in-the-wool Southern Methodist, but anyway, uh, and, and, and my grandfather, if you go back far enough, the haters are German, and uh, you know, the kind of cultural differences in those two, so I half-jokingly said this was the reason, but my grandmother basically believed in everything. She She knew all the stories of the banshees and the legends and all of that. She saw spirits uh, and and all kinds of things. She believed in it. My grandfather, if the headless horseman rode through the living room, waving his head, my grandfather would have just shook his head and said, it's time to get a doctor's appointment. (laughs) And and that's just the way they were. Well, one day we had some company over uh, visiting at that house. And all of a sudden, uh, we heard something, and this became something that happened fairly regularly, but this was the first time we heard it. We heard these big, heavy boot thuds coming up the stairs out of the basement and shaking at the door. Now, at the time, there was me and my grandparents and a couple people over visiting, and we we all heard it, just heavy boot thuds up those basement stairs and the door shaking. Well, grandpa went and got a shotgun because he thought somebody, our basement wasn't completely below ground. Right. Uh, there was a above ground entrance. He thought somebody had broken the house. So he got a shotgun, went down, he searched the whole basement, turned all the lights on and checked everything. Didn't find anything, of course. And uh, he came upstairs and put the gun away, locked the basement door, went back to, went over and sat down in the living room. I said, What'd you find? He said, nothing there's nothing down there i uh, said what do you mean there's nothing down there there's five of us sitting here we all heard something pound up the steps and shake the door he said don't care there's nothing down there <laughs> and he wouldn't hear it and my grandmother just shook her head and she said spirits <laughs> my said, no such thing and and we went back to to having our meeting and 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 that was it but that was just the way they were she believed yeah. in everything he believed in nothing yeah uh, well he believed in god but you know he wasn't going to go beyond that you right. know that was god existed he'd take care of everything and nothing else needed to be worried about That's
2: it. <laughs> yeah
1: he just stayed in his lane right yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> That's it. he wasn't comfortable with anything he couldn't shoot <laughs> right.
1: my kind of guy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I again I appreciate y'all coming on. Uh well, we appreciate you
0: having us. I'll probably put We'd this. We'd do it again sometime.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll we'll uh we'll make this a recurring thing if you want to, because I, I I know you guys have stories and there's a lot that oh. you know, i I know we didn't get into, but we'll right. we'll definitely do this again. Um this show will probably be my break away from the Bigfoot stuff because I've done By the time this one airs, I'll have done like seven or eight Bigfoot shows in a row. So this is a breath breath of fresh air for me. You know, I'm not supposed to be a Bigfoot podcast. I'm supposed to be, you know, all encompassing kind of thing. So thank you guys.
0: Right. Well, you know, uh, I've never seen a Bigfoot, but I've had a lot of people that I trust tell me they've seen them, including Brian. And I keep trying to get Brian to take me on a Bigfoot Hunt over near his house. Yeah. But uh so far I haven't gotten a chance to do that yet. But I think yeah. that would be either fun or deadly. I'm not
2: yeah. sure which one. <laughs> oh, oh, the, the big guy uh was up near <clears throat> the house. I, I went out the other day to mow. The grass had gotten kind of high. And I could tell he'd been standing in front of a window because the grass, the vegetation had all been crushed. And there was a good foot impression there. Now, I took a picture, but honest to goodness, from the picture, you can't really tell. I'm I should have sure. put my foot in it, right? Yeah. But when I did put my foot in it, it was a good six inches longer than my size 13. Oh, my God. Uh, so, it had to be the big guy, you know, and he'd been there probably stooping, sneaking and looking in the window at night. <clears throat> uh, so, you, they're
1: curious. Yeah. I thought it was so fun when we were on there. Oh, I thought it was fun. You probably got a little nervous, but when we were on the, uh, on the, in the interview together, uh, his dog starts going nuts, you know, and he was, you know, he's like, well, I'm going to stand on the porch. you know, <laughs> Cause he was outside <laughs> talking to me. And, uh, it sounded like something was creeping around his, his property. Then it was, yeah, that was a good one.
2: I, I yeah. They creep it. around and uh, if the wind's right, you can smell them. Mm. And, uh, yeah, one night my wife got a real good whiff. I, he was probably standing right there at that same window. There's a box fan there at that window. She said to me the next morning, what in the world happened? I said, what do you mean? She said, that smell. And I said, what smell? And she, It didn't even phase me. It woke her up. She said, it smelled like rotten meat and skunk and poop. and You know, yep, there's all this stuff. She said, this shit, it was rank.
1: Man, you know what it was.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah all right man.
1: well i'm gonna hop off here if uh if you guys have anything else come up or something you know strikes your mind later on shoot me an email brian give her my email too that way you know he can holler at me if, if it's the middle of the night or whatever i don't care i'll check it in the morning <laughs> okay <coughs> but you guys have a good night uh, I'll send you both links to the show too. as soon as it records. Okay.
0: Okay. Thank you. All
1: right. All thank right. y'all. Have a good one. You too. Oh, <laughs> All right. That's it for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. If you just have to have more content, you can go to patreon.com slash the bump podcast and subscribe and be a patron. Uh, got more and more content on there every week. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, to catch up on past episodes, go to bumppodcast.com, Click the episode tab, and it'll take you to any episode you want to listen to. Also, if you want to be on the show, I would love to have you on. Share your story with us. Go to bumppodcast.com, Click the holler at me button and holler at me. Send me an email, thebumppodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'll get you on as fast as we can. All right. Again, thanks for listening. I love you guys. Until next time, don't stop believing.